And uh, we're continuing our sermon series on uh, God Blank America. And we're going to talk a little bit about nationalism. I'll start with Daniel 2. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Acts 17. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us. Romans 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities and ministers are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, Honor to whom honor is owed. First Timothy 2. First of all, then, I urge you, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Howard Brown, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, we're going to continue in our sermon series on God blank America, as in God bless America, God curse America, depending on um, what's going on in our country and how we're approaching it and... um, Today we're going to look at nationalism, nationalism. Um, I don't know whether there's something else I was supposed to say, but I can't think right now. So you're at a sporting event, let's say, or a school function, or a graduation, or like this past weekend, watching the Super Bowl, and here it comes. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'm not going to sing. I'd work for all my life, and I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today, because the flag still stands for freedom, and they can't take that away. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died who gave that right to me, 
And I gladly stand up next to you and defend her still today. Because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Or, right, God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home sweet home. God bless America, my home sweet home. And then the standard, the Star Spangled Banner, which I'm not going to read, usually mutilated by somebody. Still, Whitney Houston has the best version after almost... (laughs) I like that. I'm such a Whitney Houston fan. Like I put on Facebook, she made all of us sound good in the shower and the car, didn't she? I wrote that in my sermon before I knew she died, by the way, just so y'all know. She still has the best version. Go on iTunes, download it, and cry with me. Then do that, you know, the Olympics thing, the 91, what, no, 88 Olympics, one moment in time. Okay, we're going to move on. And then after all of that patriotic singing, singing, maybe some F-16 flyover, or a military color guard at center stage, maybe there's some fireworks. So we continue in our sermon series on God blank America. Today we will turn our attention to nationalism and what the Bible has to say about our allegiances and our living out our lives in this country. Can and should we love our country? Why and how should or shouldn't we or you or us be committed to this nation? On one side, there are those who believe that our national identity is synonymous to being God's people and being the missionary nation of Judeo-democracy-toned Christian values. While on the other side, some interpret the separation of church and state as a national and finalized divorce from the God of the Bible. This sermon will not end the debate, start some, but hopefully will lead to more constructive engagement in the discussion, having our minds and hearts and lives changed by the gospel, because it is about time that the God of the Bible speak about the country that has slid or hid him and his name in its national identity. There are three things that I believe he makes clear to us in these scriptures about nationalism and our nationalism, that number one, all nations are under God. That nationality is God's plan. And finally, that our nation is in God's hands. Growing up in school, when I grew up, we pledged this every day. I pledged allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with with, with liberty and justice for all. The Pledge of Allegiance was originally written in 1892 by Francis Bellamy, a Baptist preacher, and, talk about irony, a Christian socialist. Just a little more irony, considering our past sermon 
in this series on civil rights. As a socialist, he had initially also considered using the words equality and fraternity, but decided against it knowing the state superintendents of education on his committee were against equality for women and African Americans. And it did not have the phrase under God in it originally. Under God was added in the mid-50s as defining words to set the United States apart from other nations. Bellamy's original intention is closer to the truth because the Bible teaches that all nations are under God and under God's rule. If we look at our Daniel passage in the beginning at Romans, the beginning part of Romans 13, Daniel says he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. And then in verse in chapter 13 of Romans, it says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. What is clear to me and I hope to you here, is that all nations are under God's rule as he is the one who starts all nations and decides their ends. He also decides their coming and going and all the transitions in between their prosperity, world dominance, or being dominated. Let me say it again. All nations are under God. The Bible is teaching that the institutions and leaders and borders and the reach and the power of a country are not here to last eternally. Let me tell you something humbling about the United States. Compared to other nations, it is a baby. It just started, and it probably, as we know it, will end. Babylonia. The nation Daniel spoke to and the Roman nation Paul spoke to in Romans were empires. That means they had like three to five United States within them. We don't know nothing about that or or we don't even begin to share the degree of technological advances and diplomacy and world power they had. And these empires are no more because God as God rules, raised them and then ended them. And when he is ready, he may do so to the United States. Not because the Republicans or the Democrats or it's because of national debt or China will run it into the ground. No, according to Scripture, because God by his sovereignty will decide our time is up like he has with all the countries that have gone and existed before us. Just because he is God. And he doesn't have to answer to us or give us an answer. And it is not up to us in asking God why to get an answer to why America is not or may not be as great as it once was. We can't and shouldn't try to figure out God's providence and sovereignty. We are not behind China economically necessarily because we are not praying in schools or treating illegal immigrants wrong. Or, or, or because we are greedy, or our schools are poor. You see, you can't confidently tie or a moral or human performance reason to what only God has the right and power to do. Which means the United States may not be the world leader on this or that anymore. We may not continue to be the richest nation 
or the one with the largest middle class anymore or be able to consider ourselves the leaders of the free world anymore. And why? Possibly because God would have decided so. And not that we shouldn't work to make our home better or make our country better. And we'll talk a little bit about that more in a minute. But we are inherently no better than any other country. Pastor Georgia reminded me of the comedy movie Head of State with Chris Rock. It was a comedy back then because it was really funny to consider a black man being president. You remember that? I was watching some Chris Rock stand-up this morning because I was trying to figure out the head of state thing. I, I was working on my sermon and got a little sidetracked. And I know the women in their Bible study outside of the door like, what is he laughing at? Because Chris Rock was doing a stand-up on Colin Powell. He'll never be president. Don't never make a black man president, right? He'll get shot just running for president. So things change, don't they? But it was funny back then, right? And, and it was funny because he says at one point in the movie, God bless America and nobody else. And that's what we sometimes believe about our nation. God, when we say it, God bless America, we mean and nobody else. I want to put this in perspective because we are not special. Outside of the fact that God has raised us in certain ways. Now, in certain ways, we're special and different, but not because we're closer to God, but, but we'll, because God will also lower us in certain ways, and that makes us special too. Because it means we are truly under God. God bless America, like he did the Roman Empire, and Babylon, and Great Britain, and the Soviet Union, right? God bless everybody. God has put us here and made this country a leader among nations in many ways. Praise be to God. Not for our goodness or glory, but for his glory. But the Lord that gives may take it away. God bless America. So we pledge allegiance when and if we do to a temporary nation under an eternal God, a less than moral nation under a holy God, as but one of many nations that have gone on before and yet to come under one God who will always rule them. And you may hear me using we when I talk about the United States. And I must admit, there was a part of me that was frustrated couldn't help but say we because I want some distance sometimes there are parts of me and that want distance between me and my country that at one time legalized people by ethnicity being treated like property and animals for most of its sovereign history I think among my generation and regardless of ethnicity and even the generations below behind mine there is a real anti-United States, or rather, not-so-United States nationalism. I'm talking to you today. I'm not talking to my parents today. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to most of you here at Christ Central. Because I think many of you and us in here don't want to be associated with its mess, its prejudice, its institutional bull, lack of global integrity. We've watched too many conspiracy movies where our country is the evil one and never the heroes, right? Captain America is the most whack Avenger, right? 
We are more global and world thinking than any generations before us. So we don't want to be defined or responsible or associated with its politics and failures. Many of us don't even like being called Americans at all. We, we don't like saying the Pledge of Allegiance and think all that flag stuff is stupid and on a deeper level hypocritical. We are becoming less and less united in the United States about, it, about what it means to be an American, which is not all bad. But does our nationality mean anything? Or should it mean anything to us? Get this, the Bible teaches that nationality is God's plan. <laughs> Look with me in Acts again. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Nation mean ethnicity. Having determined what? Allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. God put you here in the United States. And calls you here in and to the United States. This is a part of the Bible we've looked at before and emphasized God's racial diverse plan, but look further into his plan for our God-given identity. For our identity also is about the nation in which we live and we're born and are citizen. And then, and then in the Roman scripture, it says that God has given the authorities or the state or nation to us. How did you become a United States national? God put you here. And I know, I'm going, here, I'm going here again. What my personal ethnic disclaimer is on this, my people were stolen from our homeland and sold here. I didn't decide to be here. I didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on me. Yeah, true. You might have been brought here wrongly like an animal or driven here by political or economic mess or danger in your own country. You might have been born into this or immigrated legally or illegally by no will of your own. But ultimately, bottom line, God put you here. That's what the Bible says. And that does not justify the ills of slavery and racism and solve the immigration debate. But he put you here in this nation to be this nation. And that is no mistake and no mishap. I mean, the writers of Daniel and Romans have every reason to not write and live as they did right here. Daniel's nationality became, I said, became Babylonian Jewish exile. Because he was brought to Babylon as a, a slave. The writer of Romans, the Apostle Paul was a Roman citizen, but many of his Jewish friends and family were just a commonwealth, lower class part of the Roman Empire. And he says in Acts and Romans, what? God put you here. And thus under that nation's rule and banner. If anybody had a reason not to write this stuff, it was them. But if that were enough, they are not only teaching that God put you and me here, he called you and me here, as in to this country, as in to live resp in responsible, contributing recognition of its place in our lives. Daniel, the one talking in Daniel verses here, served in the king's court as not, not a sellout, but one who was called out by God to be in Babylonian leadership to shape it. And then Paul says this to the Jews in Rome. 
Look with me at verse 13. says verse chapter 13 verse 5 therefore one must be in subjection not only to avoid god's wrath but also for the sake of conscience for the same reason you also pay taxes for the authorities or ministers of god attending to this very thing pay to all what is owed to them tax to whom taxes are owed revenue to whom revenue is owed respect to whom respect is owed honor to whom honor is owed huh Really? What is this teaching us about nationalism? We are called to participate in the life of our nation. We are called to submit where we should and serve where we can and change it and even challenge it, to pay taxes, to go to inaugurations, to be in politics, to in civil disobedience, go to jail, to march, to petition, to vote people in and out, and to go serve in the army if our conscience will allow us to, or even to go to Washington in office to represent your people. We are called by Scripture to exercise our citizenship here. And God bless America, we should. And yes, that is and has been harder for certain people, groups, than others. God curse America for that. But it is easy to just become a blogging bunch of verbal, nihilistic, irresponsible, bratty escapists who like to drop bombs and complain and then run. We are the real definition of American terrorists because we want to deconstruct and challenge and pout and criticize and work and color outside the lines and talk about how much better it is in Ireland or Panama or Canada, and yet we have left and offered nothing. Many of us have left and have, have not filled in the gaps that we've emptied out with our disagreements and deconstructions and bold discoveries. That's our generation. My dad's tour guide company, Gullah Tours, was featured in an article, Gullah Tours of Charleston. One of the articles done on him was entitled Slavery for Sale. And I hated that title. As of my dad's business is a business of exploiting as a black man, black people's degradation in the South. He even had an African-American Christian music celebrity, whom I won't name, say on his tour that he is never coming back to this city because his history is just too evil to black people. My father is not selling slavery or calling people to wallow in the dirt of history. He was put here and called to it and digging into the dirt of this nation's manure and planting seeds of redemption for the generation to be nourished and trained and grow by. His tour says that this country was not only built on the backs of slaves who were used to build an oppressive society that has yet to be equalized, but he is saying proudly those slaves, those servants were put there by God, called by God, and were used despite the injustices to rebel and to build, to run away and restructure. But he refuses to abandon history in the city, state, and nation he was put in and is called to. He refuses to let it die out of personal frustration and throw his hands up in the air. And he's committed to be ridiculed and misunderstood from the right and from the left. Yes, many of us are called here to disturb and disrupt 
to be a prophet, to be freedom fighters. I mean, most in this church are, are more like the grassroots rebels. Heck, I, I think Christianity and Christians should be more rebellious than complicit with the patriotic status quo. We might have to say what the main line may not like hearing, but we must do so with every intent of building too, of edifying, of committing. I know y'all hate that word. To not just checking the maybe on God's invitation to responsible citizenship. Let me tell you what the Bible is teaching. Your part matters. Now make it count. You have a national calling. Not by the president. Not by the Congress people. Not by the Republicans. Not by the Democrats. You have a higher calling to your place in this nation. You have a calling by the Lord, and I'm not going to tell you what that is. I'm not going to tell you you have to be on this left or this right or run for this kind of office or, or do this kind of thing, but you are called in some way to be conscious of it. You might write it. You might sing it. Just bring it, but with our nation in mind. Let me tell you something. you in the wrong church. If you like to just be angry and complain and talk about bad, how bad leadership is and just want to escape hatch out of, out of it when it may mean you may actually have to commit and submit and suffer or die for something to help this nation. Wrong church. Not going to let it happen. Your elders ain't going to let it happen. You ain't going to just talk up, complain, this president, that president, this thing. But I didn't vote, huh? I didn't feel like registered. It ain't going to make no difference anyway. I even think about the marijuana debate, for example. This one's so interesting to me. So I probably lean more on the legalization side, but I've never used marijuana. And so as a non-user, probably someone who may never use it, I have my own reasons, but some of you have decided to stick it to the man. Some of your friends and family have decided, we're going to stick it to the man. How? Buying it illegally and smoking it privately. Getting high on your civil disobedience in your room. And I'm sure you're cool with that. It's all funny and hungry. But there is a more godly way to do marijuana. If you don't agree to change this place, you use your rights to go to jail or to Washington or to sign a petition for what you believe to change things, but not sneak around and have nothing changed at all. That is unacceptable. Exercise your national right to go to jail for what you believe this country is doing wrong exercise your national right to not disobey the law just to disobey it, but disobey it for the good that you think this country needs to embrace. Whatever your issue is with our nation, we can't be angry and live mad. Mad people don't accomplish anything. Just mad people. You need to have your stuff together. 
Okay, I'm kind of going, you know, big brother on this a little bit, right? Just kind of give y'all some advice. You need to have your stuff together. Know your facts and know the government and speak with dignity. Listen with respect and honor to those in governmental authority. Sometimes you need to go back and forth between CNN and Fox. Just go back and forth a little bit. Listen to both sides. Frustrate yourself. Do it with peace and truth, and you better have your heart together, and that may be the hard work of it. First Timothy says this. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful, quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. I like this because it is about praying for those in authority and government, yes, but also about praying for those of us under that authority. Diverse in our leanings to our calling, her, our calling as well, concerned enough to pray for it and not bow out on our calling in this country and to do with it what? Peace. Dignity. In other words, you, you don't have to wear an American flag on your shirt, but you can't shoot the bird. And I'm not talking about the bald eagle, the other national bird. And anger here. And just check out when you want to. You do and should pledge allegiance to this country and its betterment. And I'm not just talking about a saying that pledge thing. That's easy. But to be a responsible, building revolutionary, or a radical caregiver, or insider for outside values, and not a pledge of allegiance to the country for country's sake, but because out of allegiance to God who has put you here as a United States national and trying to figure out your responsible place to it, and for its own good. But it's more than go USA, right? And we're in the pen. Because what we see is that our nation is in God's hands, as an instrument of his grace and a pawn of his kingdom. Look at Romans 13. I'm going to start reading. Um, Verse 2, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Will you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out, out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, God's wrath. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For the same reason, you also pay taxes for the authorities or ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to what is owed to them, tax to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Let me pull out something real basic that Paul is saying. Because I think we take it too far here sometimes. These Jews who were receiving this letter were beginning to think they could live outside of the nation or against it and war against it all the time. And Paul is teaching a bigger biblical principle that God is using the nation, the government, for a fundamental purpose. I'm going to say fundamental because I know how many challenges I'm going to get about corrupt governments for a fundamental purpose to help keep lawlessness away. 
And that is true at the most basic level in almost every country. There is a law. I'm not saying the laws are perfect. I'm not saying the laws don't have some corruption. But there is a law that there is not anarchy all over the place. And when there is other governments, and I'm trying to tell you about foreign policy, other governments at the most basic level get involved to stop a lawless government from being what it should be stopping, lawless. He is saying the government is an instrument of God's most basic and common grace. So that even in the most politically oppressive countries, there could be streets maintained and currency and trade and commerce and regulations for that and housing and communication and protection from outside threats and inside threats and management of resources. And like we see in Daniel, God has given that wisdom and understanding and power that comes with knowing to leadership, to kings and kingdoms to lead their countries and give what God has for the people in them. And that is basic grace because we know that on top of that, and sometimes in lieu of some of that, is corruption and ignoring and mistreatment of people but regardless of corruption, God can and has used it for good and grace that we wouldn't have without government. I remember one of our pastors went to Haiti. He experienced a lot of racism in this country. He had a couple of DWB charges, driving while black. As we call it. It happened. Talked in the past about this. He's talked with me about our country's injustice and corruptions. And we got off back off the plane from Haiti. The first words of his mouth were, God bless America. I'm not trying to come down on Haiti. But he said this. I've been mistreated in this country. No, our country is not black ruled. But I got toilet tissue rolls and clean water. And don't have to take a machete to the toilet so the wild pig herds don't bum rush me. But God curse America. Because that country doesn't have it. We thank God for nations. And what they do do, right? What they do make happen. The United States government, along with other governments, is an instrument in the hands of God to give us, to give grace to us. God's grace and his gifts, God's earth, God's dignity. He doesn't want people to run free as murderers and rapists and child abusers and Wall Street thieves and shysters. He wants people protected against the stuff, and he hates when they aren't. So he has the government as a tool to exercise wrath, not perfectly, but basically. And when they don't it is nationalistic for the sake of that nation and God's giving grace through it for us to fight the power for our government to do what it should do in its basic call to dignity and law. But careful, because our nation is also a pawn of his kingdom. As I think about the sovereignty of God over all nations, does God really care about the United States? And how much? Does God think we are great and pleased with this nation? And all of you along with me have all sorts of reasons why or why not in our heads. But you know, if you read the Bible and think about 
verses we read. God cares about the United States and invests in it like other countries to be a pawn in his bigger game plan. God is playing us as a country. He has put us in our history in play towards his final goal. It is safe to say we are the players as a nation in this God thing, along with everyone else, not only to bring the world his basic grace and goodness, but something more specific. Look at Timothy here as we close. This is good, verse 3, and it is pleasing the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved, to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Do you see it? He is setting the nation up among the other nations of this world and others that have gone before to bring his kingdom in it to use their being, to use their prosperity, good or bad, their poverty, good or bad, they're coming and they're going to emerge his perfect and final kingdom. God has a world bowl game, and he is the sponsor. He lets all the nations wear their colors, and he calls them toward a pride of sorts. But as a sponsor, he is always the final winner, whether we lose or win. And so he calls us to be here and work in and for this country, but for and towards, in his mind, a final kingdom plan. We want better. That is why we don't want and can't just be Americans. We want perfect justice and peace and mercy. That is why we can't don't just want to be Americans. We want something that is sure to save us and no longer make us suffer and deceive us and fail us and make us work so hard and die for it to be true. That is why we can't just be Americans because God is calling us and designed us to be more than Americans, though not any less. He's calling us to be and become a nation within a nation. A people of God whose final citizenship is in heaven. And the United States is just a pawn, a play, a vehicle, a continental ship, a host to get to God and our Lord's redemption for us in this world. And as Acts says, this country has become one of all nations under God, a place for God to find us and for us to find him. And one day, this world of nations will give way to Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God as is already being pressed and called one person at a time to him. God will cause a national mutiny in every nation and take up front and full control of this earth and those who are now his will join him in the end. But until then, this is your place. This is a temporary nation God has put you in and called you to, and that matters in bringing the final and good end. We must never let it be that our citizenship will not have a home when our temporary, temporary one in the United States ends. We must not live as frustrated as if this is it or bust. But we must work as a coming nation in a nation, preparing the way and being in the way of salvation. So we pray, we work, we fight, and we look forward to our now, soon, and coming king and kingdom in Jesus Christ.